We all face some silent struggle, but trust me, you are not alone. I'm your host, MJ, and every week we break down a challenge, success, or struggle with someone who's also been through it. We learn from lived experience and love to share tools, resources, and concepts that might help you get off the struggle bus. Interested? Subscribe for more. Let's get into it. Well, well, well. Look who we have on this week. Hello, I'm a little offended, but it's been long awaited. We here now. Why are you offended? Should have been the first guest on this thing, man. Anybody <sighs> knows I'm the definition of struggle. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to struggle, Bob. But let me introduce you first. Today we are speaking with artist, rapper. Comedian, Bobby Flowells. What? <laughs> we made it. What's up? We here now. Mama, I made it. As you all may or may not know, he is my other half and the reason why I am MJ Flowells. I took his stage name, so. Yeah, that's not a real government name, but hey, that's totally fine, man. We don't need to get all into that. But that's <laughs> the way of the flows. Well, in this season two of Off the Struggle Bus, I actually thought it would be really interesting to have you on because we have a shared struggle of choosing ourselves through the whole situation of divorce, which is interesting because we are married now to each other. You gotta try marriage once. If it doesn't work out the first time, the second time it will. So that's how it happens sometimes. Was that was that your outlook? Since we have that shared experience of divorce, I think we both fall on different angles of it. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how you coped with the fallout of yours, if you're comfortable sharing? The fallout. Well... That part of life was definitely hard because I was on the spectrum of being cheated on. And that was the last straw that broke the camel's back. Throughout that, I had to learn to rely on myself because before I'd be like, oh, I'm working here. Just throw the money to my ex-wife and be like, here, take care of the bills and whatever, whatever. And I was like a working horse, you know? I wasn't thinking of like, oh, you have to pay the water bill, and the phone bills and stuff like that, or rent. So it kind of made me get out of that comfortable, stagnant feeling and made me think out the shell and kind of like in survival mode too. I'm on the other side of the spectrum. Actually, similar because I was in a very comfortable place too, but it was me who chose the relationship to end. My marriage was death by a million paper cuts. So it was interesting because I too had to figure out what life was like when I had to manage my own finances because we were very financially stable. We didn't really have to pay much for an apartment because he lived with his parents or under his parents' roof. I was coming from a place where I had no debt. I had a lot in savings but burned through my emergency fund and savings really quickly when I was a single girl 
living in New York. It's a shared learning experience of, oh crap, I am responsible for myself and my money going forward. That's what caused me to get into this whole personal finance route, which I know you're exposed to every day because I'm doing something every day in regard to personal finance. So thank you for coming along this journey with me. It's not about the destination. It is about the journey. A fortune cookie told me that once. How did art help you get back to yourself? Art made me rediscover myself, not just because of the nostalgic feeling of just creating and all that, but also when, when I came from this like New York trip, it just made me realize I needed to get back into creating and making art. When I was living in Florida, I had an empty wall and it just started from one piece. Next thing you know, it's like two to three. And then from there, I'm being asked to do art group shows in Tampa. So it kind of gave me a confidence that like I can actually make this into a business or at least get paid off of it. During that time, I was doing it to get my rent money. I needed to get my rent paid because I was it was them days when it was late, you know? But shout out well, to the homie Tim, man, letting me come through and be understanding when there was days when rent was kind of late. He's like, oh, it's all good, Bobby. I got you. That's what white friends are, are for. Thanks, Tim. Oh, my gosh. Well, great on you that art was paying the rent. I found out that I had stocks at Walmart that my ex put that in my name that I didn't know about until like... Well, when you work at Walmart, you get stock. Yeah, so I it didn't know. They were like, well, you have two options. You could either cash this out or save that for your retirement money. Hmm. Um, my stupid self during that time was like, what? Let's cash this out. Because I'm like, man, I'm free, fresh out, divorced. Oh, bro, it's lit. We partying. I'm going to go get me a new car. No, it's not a new car. I'm going to get a used car. Then freaking pay three, four months worth of freaking rent. And the rest of that is go to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, man. That money only lasted for a good four or five months. And then it was gone. Not about being stupid. I think it's the lack of guidance that we've had because you're not giving yourself enough credit to like both of us are immigrants to this country. And as much as our parents loved us and helped us get here, the part where we had to navigate for ourselves just didn't exist. We kind of had to figure it out on our own. That is very true. For me, I was coming out of a marriage where I was sheltered and were two incomes, no kids, right? And we had a ton of disposable income to just do whatever with. And to go from that kind of stability to basically fending for myself, I'm really thankful for my first marriage to, that got me out of debt, out of my college debt, right? Which, lucky for you, you don't have college debt, so... That's a plus. <laughs> it's not financial literacy. It's just being familiar with talking about money in different ways. I didn't get that experience until I was single and going through divorce. 
And you didn't get that experience until you were single and going through a divorce. I don't know many couples personally that have gone through divorce themselves. So I find us interesting and almost a rarity one of in ones, our circle. Man. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if that's a thing. But speaking of which, let's back it up for the audience. How did we meet? And how did we know it was time? That's crazy, so, man. Bring it back to memory lane. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to roll it back. How did we meet? Shout out to Chef Miguel Trinidad, man. That's the big homie. 2018 or 2019, I believe. So 2019. 420, 420 event. And I was just fresh off doing some rapidy rap stuff. I was doing my nightly G-scroll, like one in the morning, like Cali time. So Maria happened to go to this 99th floor dinner that I suggest some of y'all should go to if you are in the Tri-City area. And it's tri fine. Yeah, tri, Tri-State. I'm not from here. Like I said, I'm from California. <laughs> Anybody from New York City, just peep the 99th floor. Go follow Instagram. You see all that good stuff. But yeah, she went there. It's fine dining infused with marijuana and all that because it's legal now. I don't care. Don't judge us. Okay. She was there, they posted her on the story, and I'm like, wow, look at this chick, golden dress, fire. I'm going to add her. She's, she looks incredible. A few days later, Game of Thrones. I reacted to a story. I did yeah. not DM first. So I didn't. Let's get that right. I looked at her page, right, and I added her, but she's the one that messaged me first. Get okay. Right. Let's get that Question for get the that audience. out the way first. Okay. Question way for first. The That's cool. Yeah, whatever. Question for the audience is if I <clears throat> sent an emoji reaction, does that count as DMing first? I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you hit the message first, man. You added So that first. technically counts as a DM first. That's the DM stands for direct message. So that message was direct towards me, no one else. So technically, that's that's you. But yeah, other than that, we started talking, and I was like, oh, she creates websites and stuff. Let me go ask her something, how much she charged and all that. And I'm like, oh, how do you ever do websites for artists? And she gave me the price, and man, I thought she didn't know what the hell she was talking about, but she hit me with the realness shit. And I'm like, damn, I feel a little dumb now because I can't afford any of this. And she hit me up with some intellectual comebacks. I couldn't handle it. So we gave her the, the three three days. Yeah, the ghost. You got to go south for three days. That's the three-day rule when you're talking to a lady. That's when you know she likes you. If she hits you up after three days, she is into you. But yeah, uh, man, we just we just started talking from there. But yeah, you you know asked you asked me for advice on a website. And I was like, mm -hmm. I can't make a website for you if I don't know who you are. And I was talking shop and I hit you up with actual numbers because I was consulting at that time. And I was like, yeah. oh man, I scared him off because I was talking shop and entrepreneurship and all that. And then one Friday morning, I was like, oh, would you like to FaceTime? <laughs> then we like talked. Two, three hours, six hours later, I was into her, man. And I'm like, yo, I could see myself with this lady. I don't know how, some way, somehow. 
And then from there, in, man, the rest is... He was in Orange County in California. Oh, see, baby, Anaheim, you see this? Mighty <laughs> Ducks, baby. Oh, that's a good And I idea. was in Long Island City. I was in my single girl apartment in Long Island City, yeah, FaceTiming with this dude. Yeah, still fresh off the divorce a year prior to that. I was living in Florida. I'm like, let me take care of this. I'm going to leave Florida and go back home and do my thing, man. And then, yeah, yes. she's like, yeah, I'm going to come visit you. I'm like, what? You're going to what? Okay, well, I needed Ooh. to do that. I needed to do that because I was like, hey, worst case scenario, if he's not real, which by that point, we were talking for a month and a half. So FaceTiming for a month and a half, I feel like you were a real person. The thing I couldn't tell was how tall you were from your I'm, Instagram. I'm taller than you, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's the requirement. You need to be taller than me, and I need to be able to wear heels around you, which I can. Remember how awkward I was when I landed? Well, you're like... <laughs> I was not. I was like, oh my gosh, you're an actual real person who came from Uber. Orange County. Took the Uber ride there at like 4.35 in the morning, man. I was there. Barely I love slept. my morning airplanes. <clears throat> yeah. She yeah. came, she saw, she conquered, yo. Like, I don't know about conquered. <laughs> like she got my heart. This is it. I felt like Michael Jackson. I had the butterflies. Oh, really? It was great. It was great times, man. Any Hollywood producers and directors, if you guys are running out of love stories, man, holla at us. We got real authentic love story here. This ain't no, this is better than notebook and all that stuff combined. It's real life oh, stuff. Well, uh, we I, have yeah, a two year old in dealing with financial struggles and debts in real time. I threw myself deep into the dating pool immediately after the divorce because i was like i haven't dated anybody for almost eight to ten years at that point and i was like if i don't start trying and i don't know if i'm ever gonna have an actual person you know were you on the were you on the apps the dating apps i tried the tinder thing but that thing they're too aggressive on there and i'm like nah this ain't for me and dating was expensive, especially living in California. All these L.A. girls were like, yeah, come to L.A. I live in Orange County. That's an hour and a half. That's not a good look. I was going to focus on were... myself, though. Talk about that a bit more. What did you know you needed to do to focus on yourself? After coming back from this New York City trip that I had, it gave me a sense of purpose again. And it, I just had this different energy. Because, like, meeting people out here and how you guys move is very different. So I just brought that energy back, and it made me focus more on divorce will make you, uh, it's like a puzzle, right? But imagine the puzzle as, like, a broken glass. So each mm. piece is so you breaks. But throughout those years or months, whatever, that you are going through, you're slowly putting yourself back to get those shattered glasses. You're just putting yourself back together. You know, you're not going to do it all at once, but you're going to go through waves of uncertainty and hope and failure. You're going to fail a lot, man. 
Let's just say that. There's going to be days and times, yes, you will be going home alone crying. You know, your value and yourself is a lot more important than someone else. You gave that love so much towards others that you forget about yourself sometimes, you know. I was tending to wounds, but also learning that I can do things like traveling. When I was with my ex-wife, yeah, we would travel, but it was with family members. It was never by yourself, you know. Can you talk about your trip to New York? What about that trip? Was it the music? Was it connecting with other artists? Being around different people and different energy. Because hmm. in Florida, I felt very restricted. Not that I was caged in or anything, but I was just focused on working. I had two jobs at one point. When you met these folks in New York, what about their energy helped bring you back to life? It was very inviting and pure. You guys don't sugarcoat anything. If you guys like something, you guys like something. Don't beat around the bush, you know, if it's honest. And real people are going to accept vulnerability. So, yeah, that's one thing I learned is like vulnerability is big and being authentic is what kind of gave me that ability to just like, oh, yeah, you could do all these things as long as it sounds cliche, as long as you put your mind into it and all the words manifest and just keep thinking that anything is possible. You can literally do that stuff, man. Speaking of anything is possible, you had a very unique New York City night in 2021, where Talib Kweli put you on the spot Man. at the Blue Dome, and you rocked that room. Shoutouts to Talib Kweli, man. That's my childhood rap hero. I don't care who else. It's your favorite rapper. That dude will body you. During that concert at the Blue Note, I don't know what was going through that night, but all I kept telling my friend Chris was he went with me that night. And I was like, yo, I don't know what it is, man, but we're going to get this book signed. We're going we gonna to see Kweli. And mind you, I'm already tipsy since like six at night and the show didn't start till like, I don't know, 8.30 or nine or something like that. We get in there, we, they sit us in the table right in the middle of the stage. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty awesome. And then I meet another friend of mine, Shabon. She's from Florida, she lives in LA now. She's like, oh, Bobby, what's up? Not knowing that she's friends with Kwali, with Jasmine Lee, uh, from People's Podcast, Party People, People's Party. Yeah, People's Party. That's a good podcast. <laughs> friends with my homegirl, Siobhan, and then sit at the table, you know, party starts rocking. And then 
in the midst of all that, I don't know how we start exchanging, like we start having conversation. I think it's because every song that he was playing, I was reciting that. And I was wearing my Dilla Donuts t-shirt and he was singing like Dilla lyrics and MF Doom. He's like, I don't know what it is, but this guy, everything I'm saying, this man is wearing. <laughs> and like, I'm literally having an straight full on conversation with Quali and I'm like yeah I just came here you know hoping that I can get your book signed and he's like alright cool why don't you rap for us I'll sign your book I'm, what my 8 mile moment man I started going spaghetti spaghetti I'm saying he has a t-shirt on that represents the things I'm saying I got a do I got a you got an MF Doom ring? Yeah. I got your book. Rest in peace to the super villain. You got my book. Yeah. Did you get it tonight? Or you just? I was gonna go to your book signing tomorrow. Tomorrow, but you I got it tonight. I was trying to get it signed today, but yeah. Oh, this guy. That's true loyalty, baby. You got a pen? You got a pen? Fuck with him right there. True loyalty, baby. This is the cover of my book. It's black, because that's how black I am. This is not really the cover of the book. I don't know what he did with the cover of the book. Bro, what's your name? My name's Bobby Flowells. What is it? Bobby Flowells. Bobby Flowells. I, I do the rap and he raps. Do you rap? Bobby, while well, I'm signing your book, will you rap for us? Yeah! Whoa, Bobby! Give that to Bobby Flores. That's a great name. Watch out for your drinks. I don't want the corn to drink your drinks on. Give it up 
that video is those four the first four bars are actually written but i was so drunk and nervous that this is happening in real time and i i forgot the lyrics so i'm like fuck it let's just freestyle this and then i didn't know people were in the room like static select uh, uh destroy was there punchline homie al and like man I had my own lyricist lounge type of feeling. Not not in a sense that I'm like, yeah, I made it, but more of like, yo, I'm here. I didn't even know it was a Jay Dilla, Where's the Love, Slum Village song. Yeah, it was, it was magical. Some of your friends were there. But yeah, ever since then, I see Quali and his friends, man, they always show love. We just with them last week with Rock Him and them, so that was pretty cool. Shout outs to yeah. hip hop, man. I don't think New Yorkers, if they were put on the spot, could really pull off what you did. I really do this. Like, don't <laughs> mistake the jokey jokes. Though. I will slaughter you with words. I will tickle you to death with my linguist. I don't even know if that's uh, a word. But mm, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of jokey jokes, you're on stage doing stand-up recently. Since last year, how has comedy... And stand-up changed you, helped you, changed your perspective, brought you new mentors. Can you talk about it? I feel like the art form of comedy is a lot harder than anything that I've done, whether it's painting, cooking, or writing music. It also has helped me learn structure. So when you write, you got to piece things together. And collaboration is very important, too, in writing. It also helps me cope with a lot of traumatic experience I've gone through in life and pain. So I kind of use comedy not to cover it, but to help me heal certain things that I've gone through. Well, shout out to your therapist, too, to actually oh, help no. you with that but part. When it comes to comedy, I think Chris and Stephanie have been such a help. Shout out to Chris Griggs and Stephanie Holmes in the pit, man. A lot of, a lot of help putting this thing together. Been working. You bump here and there, but that's part of comedy, man. What I like about that part is I'm not afraid to fail. And I'm, as a comedian, I feel like most of us are very shy after we get off stage and we're very hard on, on ourselves with me. I just take it as another day. And I don't, not let, shy. I don't let that stuff get to me. And I'm like, I'm still the same person. Like, yeah, man, let's go get a drink. Let's talk about it. Let's watch the play-by-play, -play, see what, what mistakes we got. I'm like Kobe Bryant. When I watch, the, watch my tapes afterwards, I study where I mess up at, and then I'm going to see where, I'm, where I could fix things. Learning that and also trying to apply that in life because I'm not the most perfect man here, but, you know, you live and learn, and you get to apply that to another day. 
What what I really appreciate about you actually is that you're able to take a no. You're able to take a bum on stage and just roll with it, right? I've seen this when you've done murals here in our community. When you go up to a business and ask them if they want a mural, most of the time they say no, but you keep going and then you've gotten almost five yeses and your art is all over here in our neighborhood. And I think there's a lost art in being able to take rejection almost. And you're good at that. And you're also married to me and I'm a really critical person. (laughs) I come from an era of door to door. I don't know if you remember that when people would sell Tupperwares to you growing up. When I was in grade school, you'd have these little booklet thing during the holidays and you'd have to go sell some stuff like fundraiser stuff, right? Whether it's a gift wrap or like a book, those book fundraisers. I used to go door to door with with my cousins or, or friends and we would go sell that shit. And if they said no or yes, then we just kept going, you know, even selling candies, man. I don't know if you, well, they probably did out here, but what, they would give us like a tub of candy and be like, oh, here, go door to door, go sell that for $2 instead of the original price. Go make up a story. Here's a script, you know, and I would just run through that and sell mad candy. So I've always had this like salesman type of approach to anything. Mm-hmm. Being friend zoned as well will friend- help you. Yeah, you know, when you'd like... When you'd holla at girls during junior high school and be like, oh, man, you're like a brother to me. When you'd ask them out to like school dances and stuff like that. So like that stuff never really broke my heart because I just like, oh, plenty of fishes in the sea. Friend zone, that's even better. I get to know their friends. So, yeah, I always looked at it as an opportunity. I give you props because that's not something I actually learned growing up. And I was scared of, despite what you see now. I was scared of public speaking. I never thought I could sell. I I think even today, I'm still working on my selling fundraising muscle because it was just never something I had the courage to do. I can be annoying and also be convincing to people. Like I, I can sell water as gravy to a blind person you know i don't know if you want to use that (laughs) persistent is the word persistent that is probably the best word i can describe myself you are persistent yes yes you are persistent speaking of persistence i know you've been in the spaces with your mentors and like some dream collaborations right what does success look like to you or what's your dream collaboration that you'd want to do in the next couple of years that's a good question oh man success first let's see what does success look to me success doesn't have to be like mr scrooge swimming in a pool of money that has never been a case for me man to me success is generational wealth Mm. And learning to pass that to your kids and let them pass that to their children so it could be like a something to learn to build on, you know? Because we didn't get that growing up. 
also just a sense of freedom, not just in a way where like where you can do everything, but also mentally freeing yourself in your mind without the consequences of thinking of what people would say or do. Success to me is us like family. We get to go on trips and make memories and experience life the way it should be because the way how things are going right now in our outside world, it looks pretty bleak at times. But then when you see your family, you know, you're like, man, this is what life is about. I've always wanted to at least have a family that I know that I can provide and be happy with. I definitely agree with you on the generational wealth front. And just have to say, I'm so excited to be on this journey with you because nobody taught us this. And we continuously find creators and people and mentors that can drop some little advice on money and on how to approach family and wealth and all of these things. And we've been slowly implementing all these different things. In that vein, actually, are there any money creators that you are a fan of lately that have helped you think about money differently? Man, his name is Tatch Nguyen. I hope I'm saying his name right. He's a realtor, I believe, and he does it in California and Washington too. He doesn't just talk about selling houses. He also talks about how you can invest your money in laundromats or how you can flip certain things instead of buying expensive stuff. You could turn that into certain things, whether it's stocks or washing machines. That's Mm -hmm. genius too. So him and Bernadette, I don't know her last name. Is it Berna? Berna Berna Anat. Yeah, she's awesome. The way she explains financial methods to me is on my wavelength of literacy, you know? Because sometimes some of these other folks, it's just like too Einstein for me. You got to like take it down a notch, like to my stupidity level so I could understand it. Oh my gosh, uh, it's not I am not it's not, stupid, but you know, not, uh the intelligence gotta go down a little bit so I can understand it. No, and it's she not puts it in a level like that with the comedic side, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And hey, give yourself some grace. You're an immigrant to this country. English is not your first language. And shout outs to the financial educators who are able to get people to grasp the concepts. And so we love a good Berna Anat shout out, especially since her book is coming out this year. So we're, we're going to be reading that and reviewing it. So that's exciting. When I follow them, like, I'll definitely watch their stuff. You know, I don't skip on them. That's awesome. Now, I'm glad they're helping you. And I actually forgot about Tack. Tack. Tatch? Um, the... Personal finance content creators have taken over my feed. My feed is politics, personal finance, and like parenting things. Whereas I think your feed is like music and basketball and football (laughs) and money. It varies. Let's close it out with this. Let's go back to your dream collaboration. Who... And what are you creating in this next phase? Maybe two, three years from now. 
Well, I wanted I wanted to curate an an event or an experience where it sides with all the world that I've always lived in. I always had this saying of "What up, fam?" So the acronym mm. for fam is food, art, and music. So what I wanted to do was like do like a four course or five course meal, but using each of those meal somehow painting that and then I don't know the menu is like the lyrics slash cover album and throughout that each chorus takes you to a different I don't know feeling or stage and then yeah whatever music comes I would like to do this with set free man at the compound and that something like that I've wanted to do but I just wanted to bring all those worlds together and have art installation slash like food experience with music. I don't know how that's going to happen, man, but we're going to do something like that. And yeah, hopefully with Distorted 2 in the picture, those are like my dream collabs also with Cause, man. Oh my gosh, Cause is a big one. He's been one of my favorite artists ever since I got into the street art. Can we talk about the different kinds of mentors you have in your life? Shout outs to them. They've given you really great perspective from very different angles. I'm going to start with my food mentor, which is Chef Miguel Trinidad. A few of my mentors are Dominican, so shout outs to all my Dominicans out there. Miguel, I met when I was out here in 2017. Ever since I met him, he's kept it 3,000. How I met him in 2017 to how he is now at 2023, he's the same exact guy, except a couple of gray hairs. That's about it, but he's always been there whenever I needed just life advice. When when we were going through pregnancy and all that stuff was going on, he was the one that I was always talking to. When I moved to New York, he was the first person to offer a job. And I worked at Jitney. And from that friendship and turned into a mentorship, now he's like a godfather to my son, you know? And this is used to be like like my first year moving here, everything was like a surreal. I was just being a turd, like, oh my God, whoa, I can't so believe like this, it. right? Because <laughs> all these people that, I, that are now like mentoring me, I used to just watch them on YouTube. So yeah, Miguel's one of them, Buddha, the future, shout outs to Buddha, the future. I met him going through a, the compound thing. There was an art show. At the Bronx, this is when the compound was oh, yeah, located in the Bronx. There. And I'm like, I just came up to him like, yo, what up, legend? Love your music, man. I'd love to collab with you one day. And then he was like, no, you're a legend. And we were just talking there. And I, when I told him, hello, I know Brock Mills. That's one of my peoples. And he put me on to you guys a while ago. And Brock was, he used to be a photographer for Davies, so... Seeing them, he connected me through that. And then, like, Buddha was at some, what was it? It's a baby shop somewhere in the city. Forgot the bye name. Bye-bye, baby. We bye were bye building baby, our industry. And I'm like, I just see Buddha. And I'm like, oh, what the heck are you doing? And I'm guessing you're having a baby, too. Get invited <laughs> to his baby shower. From there, we just started a friendship, you know? 
But yeah, whenever they have like steel sessions, I always pull up on there and I always say what's up to them. Good peoples, man. They're always busy working, man. That Book of David was fire. Then comes to Distorted from Philly. That's my art mentor, Anya Santana. She's been doing art since like 20... I mean, 2008. She's been around for a while. One of the most prolific artists of our time from Philly who's like does mixed media, whether it's like Reebok... Oh, man, Foot Locker, she's been killing the game, man. And to have access to people is so dope to me because, you know, growing up where I'm from, where we were very close-minded, whatever you just saw in your neighborhood, that's as close as you see the world. I didn't know that the block is bigger than what you thought it was, you know? So it's, it's being... Coming from that and where I'm at now, it's a great feeling to know that you can lean in to people whenever you need help, whether it doesn't even have to be music or art, food related. It could just be anything about life. Like you're just going through, whether it's therapy or freaking changing diapers and stuff like that, man. We go through real things too. It's really important to acknowledge that you're able to create the world that you want. Very much so. I've seen you do it. I've seen you create these experiences for yourself that, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine anybody creating for themselves. So more power to you to be able to do that. Yeah, man, because I feel like um, living out here in, in Jersey and New York, it's a playground. It's a big-ass playground, and I just get to be a big-ass kid and just enjoy every parts of it. I feel like every weekend there's something popping off. Like, before when all this stuff was happening, it was like every weekend there was something. I'd be out. Now it's a little different because, you know, raising a child isn't in, in a factor. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but um, prioritizing things is what I've learned too throughout this journey is knowing what's more important and it's not about you all the time as much as I have this Bobby Flowell's lifestyle it's family first and everything is secondary you know <laughs> I'm glad you're learning the structure and sort of by osmosis learning logistics and planning and prioritizing through me Hey, every day you learn something new. It's the beauty of life. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today on your day off. Decided you were going to record a podcast with someone. Hey, thank you for being you, your authentic self. I love what you're doing. Congratulations with season two of Off the Struggle Bus. You can't spell us without the bus just because. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> So more power to you and keep doing what you're doing. I love you. You're the best. This is great. Thank you for the support. I feel like you help me see the beauty in the world because I can get very technical. I can get very rigid. And because you have so much art and love and music and joy 
in your heart. Yeah, thank you, Mama Beck. Right. You're so beautiful and I saw your face in a cloudy day. And uh -huh. I don't know what to do. You're so corny. Yeah, man, we're going to end it with that. I don't even know who's saying that. I think it's Coldplay. One of them guys that like to play in the cold. I can't. I can't. Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Peace, love, Enjoy. and positivity, man. Get your money up and don't put your face down. <laughs> love it. All right, y'all. That was Bobby Flowells. Legendary. Rapper. Comedian. My husband. All of the above. We He's taken. We're taking over. We're taking over the city, then the world. This is just the beginning. One day, he will be so successful that I will no longer work in politics. <laughs> Anaheim, stand up. Oh, 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 oh,